Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Veterinary Optimist. I am your host, Jennifer Evans. As we wrap up this time between the seasons, we are pausing to reflect back at some of the optimistic insights of our amazing guest. Today, our focus is the power of looking inward. You know, I truly believe that when we're intentional about looking inward for our answers, we're usually so much more at peace with the outcome. Let's take Seth Jones, for example. I interviewed Dr. Seth Jones on in episode one, and he talks about how he was intentional about showing up each day, but not only showing up, showing up with a smile on his face and how that impacted the way that he viewed his contribution to this profession. Let's listen in and see what he has to say. Well, so it's, it's show up, work hard and smile, you know, and, you know, I think that probably encompasses half of what we talked about so far, but, but, you know, Will Rogers said the world is run by those who show up and, you know, you got to show up. And if you smile, it permeates, it helps with your all the way down and all the way up as far as that goes, right. uh, being happy about what you're doing and embracing kind of the, the, the goodness of what we do, you know, it's pretty easy to get bogged down and, and, and think, okay, one more bad client, one more bad mm. review, one more bad outcome. Mm. Um, cause those things all happen. They happen, you know, to everybody and they probably happen more if you're willing to take chances and stick your neck out there. Um, I couldn't agree more with that. The, the truth is you, you have to step back sometimes and say, you know, in my dark moments, I can think to myself, I'm just a vet and I've never actually saved a life. 90% of these animals save themselves, you know, what are we doing? But then you go and you rotate a stomach for a single old lady who, you know, really lives for that dog. Mm -hmm. You made the world a better place. You know, it's so funny. So I'm going to say two things to this conversation because I think it's so valid and kind of what we're talking about. But I talk all the time about, you know, it's easy to get lost in this um, thought process of, of, outward things coming in like, Oh, it's been a hard day. Oh, I had a, you know, rough time with my partner or, you know, it's very known that a lot of people who practice inside of veterinary medicine as support staff have a hard time financially. And we never seem to remember those moments when that feels the hardest. What we seem to remember is the dog that we saved from Parvo or the puppy that we didn't think that was going to make it overnight that you came in and saw their tail wag. Like those are the moments that make the massive difference. And to be able to be a part of that, I think is so valuable for anybody within the walls of veterinary medicine. And I think that's what speaks the loudest to us, you know, and then I think the second thing that goes along with what you said, which is funny, but part of what inspired these kind of conversations is that I was able to go into a lot of veterinary hospitals and I was able to ask a lot of veterinarians three pieces of advice that they would give to a graduating veterinarian. And there's one that stuck in my mind. There's this good old boy. He looked at yeah. me, he said, Jennifer, he said, the thing about graduating veterinarians is they're always going to pass in life. He was like, no matter what, 60% of the dogs that you work on are yeah. probably going to get better on their own, probably would have gotten better on their own. 30% you're going to actually save and 10% aren't going to make it. He said, so no matter what they're going to pass in life, what it comes down to is how you treat the people. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's, 
that's an incredible piece of advice because it rings so true. It really comes down to how you treat the people, yeah. which I think allowed for us to have such healthy competition between us yeah. because we all had the same um, purpose, which was to save some animals and to treat the clients like they matter because they do. Yeah. Um, and so it caused for a pretty interesting race a, a lot. <laughs> and I'm grateful I got to be a part of that journey. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. You know, listening back to that clip makes me smile for a couple of reasons. One, it was always a very healthy competition for us because we were both in practices that were committed to being the best vet hospitals we could be. And part of how we showed up was by keeping each other on our toes. And I just, I can tell just by listening to how we interact that we truly have a deeper respect for each other. And, and I just, I really enjoy spending time with Dr. Seth Jones. He's a great guy. Seth, my friend, I'm grateful for you and for our friendship. And I'm grateful that you're still smiling and showing up each day for the people and the pets here in my own town. Thank you very much. We're going to switch gears and move on to our next clip from episode four. Denise and I always seem to jump into deep conversation when we connect. And that most certainly does not change whenever we decide to do some episodes together. And yes, we've done two already from season one, and there are many more to come if I have anything to do with it. Um, she just has a very unique way of being authentic and vulnerable. And I believe that it's something that is just so needed in our profession on many different levels. And so this clip she really gets raw and talks about her experience with a dog named Cleo and how she allowed an outside circumstance to affect the way that she was feeling inward. She didn't take any time to check in with herself or anybody else. And because of that, she showed up in a way that she wasn't proud of when it came to a patient she was dealing with. And I really... I just have a strong appreciation for her ability to share this story with us. So let's look back on episode four as Denise talks about her experience with Cleo. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I've shared this with you before and I've shared this, um, in a lot of veterinary clinics too. So it's a little, it's extremely vulnerable for me to, to talk about this because it, because it's a time that I'm, I'm, I wasn't proud of. Um, I was in a leadership position within the hospital. Um, and I had got into a, um, very heated debate, uh, with, with one of the doctors at the practice. And, um, we got, you know, we got through our little, you know, kicking up dirt fest. And um, then I had to go and take x-rays and there was no one to help me. And it was like a 45 pound black lab mix, you know? So I was like, yeah, I got it. Right. Um, rockstar tech. I can do anything on my own. And I was carrying this energy that I just had all that cortisol, right? I was telling myself all the stories, how he was wrong and I was right, all of it. I bring it into 
the x-ray room with me and I shut the door and it's dark and it's me and Cleo still remember her name. Okay. And Cleo was scared and a little non-cooperative. Um, she didn't really want to have x-rays taken. And, um, so I was just like, come on, come on, you know, and just kind of had this, like, I just got to get through this. Come on. You're a task. You're not a patient. And I treated her as such. You know, I got her down, I got through it, right? Took her legs out from under her, get her down on the table. And I backed away to pull one of my gloves on. And I looked down and Cleo's legs were sh shaking. Mm. And um, it just hit me um, of what I was doing to that poor dog. And uh, she was terrified. She thought I was going to kill her. <laughs> she didn't know, right? And now I'm taking her defenses away and all these things. So I took a beat, <laughs> right? Recovered, gave her all the lovings and the kisses. I recentered all of those things. Um, but the terror that I made that patient feel created a bad day for me. Um, because I do care so much, but it turned on a switch for me of we're carrying this into the next experience with the next patient, the next client, right? The next team member we interact with. So how do we stop that train? Well, and if you think of it this way, anybody who's been in vet medicine for any amount of the time, and I talk to um, newbies about this all the time, these animals can feel us. Oh. They can feel us. And I even talk about one of the greatest things that you know, you learn in vet medicine is to be able to recognize things they're going through without saying a word, right? Like we deepen our understanding of that because of it. And if that is such a true statement and we're tight and we're worked up from the appointment before and we're all of these things, this, this animal can feel that. And that's what we're in it for. We're in it so they can know that we're here to help them and we love them. Even if, I mean, like, let's talk about a dog that we can dire pain that needs to go after our face and attack us. We're not even upset at that. You know what our first thought is? Well, he wasn't feeling well. And so he was protecting himself. Like that's how much this means us, right? And so now that we're adding to anything negative with that, that can really beat us up inside too. You know, oh, I've got this yeah. example where I was in clinic. We're in the middle of the treatment room. I was leadership with, a doctor who liked things a certain way. And I respected him deeply. He's still one of my greatest um, mentors and idols, but we're in the middle of this and we're right in the middle of this, this moment where everything is bubbled up, right? And yeah. he unleashes and yells at me in front of everybody. Well, <laughs> I did something that wasn't taking responsibility for the position that I had. I obviously didn't get mad for no reason. I wish it would have been handled differently. And that is something that should be talked about at a different time. But in that moment, instead of saying it or taking a breath or recognizing it, I get salty. I storm right out of that room. I go to the back door where I can slam the door that makes the loudest noise, yeah. right? Because I'm, I'm proving a point. I'm upset and I want him to know about it. But the problem is who else now knows about it, right? Like all of these technicians that look up to me have now seen me behave this way, right? Yep. So then I come back in and I have set the tone for how they should be addressing me for the rest of the day. They're tiptoeing, yep. they're, they're quiet, they're talking. They're like, oh, that Jennifer, she's 
she's worked up today, steer clear. I don't want them to feel that way about me. And I don't want to lead that way. And, 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 and ultimately, I'm not creating a safe space for them to come up and say, if they've made a mistake, or if they have something going on. So I'm just reacting the same way that the person yep. in front of me is reacted, right? And so whenever we talk about that, like if we don't stop and take a deep breath and really recognize where we're at, it is only going to add to an even worse situation. Would you say that's a true statement? A hundred percent. That story still gets to me. Not only her story about Cleo, but my story about how I showed up that day in that treatment room, you know, I learned a big lesson that day, which is when I start to feel that feeling of discomfort inside, whether it's showing up as shame, anger, sadness, whatever it may be, I really try and pause and think about how this is going to manifest in my actions because I never want to make someone uncomfortable with my leadership. And I believe that's what happened that day when I slammed that door and acted that way. I made people uncomfortable and unwilling to come to me. And even though that might've only lasted for that day, there's still that thought in the back of their mind in a situation where emotions get out of control again am I going to behave the same way am I going to get upset like that all over again and the fact that I placed that doubt in their mind being their leader really sat with me for a long time and I believe that we're all human and that mistakes happen and that we're going to show up in ways that we're not always proud of but what we do with that and how we learn from it is what really matters, in my opinion. And I think both Denise and I learned something when we allowed our emotions from one situation to manifest in a way that affected the next situation that we were in. And in vet med, it's just it's really common that we have back-to-back scenarios that require us to show up in a different way, whether it's going from a euthanasia to a puppy exam or whether it is going from a high-stress surgery to a high-stress sick patient in a room. If we are not able to look inward and check in with ourselves, we are continuously staying at a high level of fight or flight and it just eventually starts to wear down on us and so I guess I say all of this to 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 say if you haven't listened to all of episode four please go back because we really dig into whether it was actually a bad day or whether it was just really a bad five minutes that we milked for a whole day um and there's just really some incredible information in that episode okay for our third clip we're staying with denise but we're going to episode nine in that episode she dives into 
are we practicing being a human the same way that we're practicing medicine? And I just, I really enjoyed this comparison because we work so hard at the medicine that we practice and it's very thought-provoking to consider whether we're putting that same effort into being a human. Let's listen in as Denise brings this subject up from episode nine. Practicing medicine, we can we consider that something that we will never perfect and that it will always evolve, right? And we will go to CE and we will refer to books and we will, you know, put effort into building new skills, learning about new therapies, right? All of these things. And it's a constant practice. But I think the biggest pitfall when it comes to trying to build and create a different culture, a better culture, is the tendency is one and done. We had one meeting on communication. We had one meeting on, you know, whatever it may be. And there, we did our part. Can you imagine right? Going, working in a vet clinic and just being like, well, I went, I went to vet school and that's it. One and done. No, it isn't. It's an art. It's a practice. It evolves. You make adjustments depending on situations and the skill set and the knowledge is built over time. And I don't know that we view culture as like kind of a fluid, you know, kind of a, a fluid process where we have to be agile and keep learning and keep checking in. And um, gosh, if, if people viewed that the same way, you know, those two things in the same way, I do feel, I know, right. And I know, you know, this too, Jen, that there would be less burnout. There would be less turnover. There would be less of the problems. Problems are always going to be there, but oh my gosh, if we would just take the time to put that kind of effort into the human side of veterinary medicine, it could make the world a better place for a lot of people. Mm. So you're saying we should practice being human just as much as we practice medicine. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm curious what you all think about that clip. Do you feel like as a whole, we practice being a human as much as we practice medicine. If you get an opportunity, go over to either my Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram page and let me know. I'd be super interested to hear your thoughts. And don't forget to like, share an episode, or follow the podcast because every little bit of it really matters. And I'm just super grateful that you all are here and listening to the veterinary optimist. Well, this is officially wrapping up our optimistic insights. I hope you're as excited as I am because season two is coming up. I look forward to dropping these episodes that I've been working on. And I hope, hope, hope to see you all back next week. Thanks. Bye.